Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love the NFL. I watch every game every week. I love drafting, trading, scouting, and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here is what we have in store today on episode number 77. Kind of a good round number, 77. We are actually going to talk about players that I think are actually past their prime. So the last podcast, I talked about 10 bounce back players, players maybe had bad seasons that I felt like uh, were at kind of poised to bounce back in the coming year. So here I'm going to write about 10 players that I believe are actually past their prime. Um, They had what I think would either be like the best year of their career last year, so it's the best they're going to get, or they're players that maybe are declining a little bit, and I think they just have no hope of getting back to the dynasty value that they recently had. This doesn't mean at all that I don't think that they won't have one or two more productive years ahead of them, because I think they might, but I do think it means that they will likely not score more points than they did this last year. So what we saw for them this last year is as high as they will go. You'll see I have one kind of exception uh, to that rule on this list. But here's 10 of my top players that I think are past their prime. Guys, you should try to sell, and hopefully you already have. (laughs) So we'll start at the quarterback position, then we'll go running back, wide receiver, and tight end, so they're not necessarily in order, just going based on order of position. First, I have Aaron Rodgers. Uh, He finished as the number 9 to 11 quarterback, depending on your scoring, if you're 4 or 6 points per touchdown, which really continues to make him a top 12 quarterback, so he is in your top 12. But anyone who owned him this year knows that that's really not accurate. He had four great games, and the rest were just average games. Those four games kind of made him a top 12 quarterback. But if you had him the rest of the year, it was just brutal. I know one of my years in one of my leagues where I won back-to-back titles with my buddy Dave Brown, we uh, had Aaron Rodgers, and he did not help us this year, and we did not make the playoffs this year. And so several things make me think that we've seen the best of uh, Aaron Rodgers in right now. Uh, many other quarterbacks have passed him by in recent years, especially those who get yards on the ground. Uh, this is pretty wild, but every quarterback ahead of Rodgers had more rushing yards than Rodgers who had the lowest career yards of rushing of his career, barring the, t- the 2013 and the 2017 injury years that he had, the lowest. He only had 197 yards rushing. Now that he's older, he's just more cautious as a runner, while uh, the best dynasty quarterbacks right now are really rising in value as the game has changed to favor their mobility. In addition to that, Green Bay has just not provided Rodgers the kind of weapons that he once had when he was a perennial top-five quarterback Really, Devontae Adams is the only good pass catcher that they have in Green Bay. I think that they will likely draft another wide receiver this year, perhaps even in the first round, as some of the experts have been suggesting. But still, I think Rodgers plays favorites when it comes to his receivers and expects a lot out of them. So I think by the time that any young receiver catches up with Rodgers, he's going to be yet another year older and with more younger quarterbacks passing him by again the next year. And so I think he has had an incredible decade Uh, being on top really like 2008 specifically till now 2019 but I don't think he's going to be a top 12 quarterback next year or the years to come bold take on Aaron Rodgers second guy that I'll list here is less of a bold take but I felt like I had to bring him up whereas Rodgers uh, still has the passing skills to be great 
but is just limited by his circumstance. The second guy on my list, Philip Rivers, is loaded with playmakers uh, this year especially, but he lost um, value because he just lost his skills and his ability to distribute the ball. Man, I'm a huge Rivers fan, and I've had him on several of my dynasty teams, but I have to admit that his dynasty value is now shot, and I didn't sell him when I should have. This year just felt like he fell off a cliff, really. This was just bad. It appears that he's not going to be returning to the Chargers, and I don't like his chances of playing well on a new team, if he, even if he does get the chance to do so next year. Uh, man, I liked Rivers so much because he was just always a top 12 quarterback. You could just bank on it. He was never going to be one of those top five quarterbacks, but he could be a top 12 at the end of every year, and his consistency was off the charts. But this year, he finished as the number 16 to 19 quarterback, depending, again, on your scoring system. And I just don't believe that he'll finish any higher than that ever again, though this may not be much of a bold prediction compared to the others on this list. Aaron Rodgers, Phillip Rivers are my quarterbacks that I think are, are uh, past their prime. Moving out of running backs, I'll start with Chris Carter, uh, Chris Carson. rather. Chris Carson finished as the number nine ranked running back this year, even though he missed the last three games of the year due to injury. So pretty incredible. Number nine with three games of injury. He was quite a surprise. I still believe that he does have some good years ahead of him since he was only 25 years old, but I do not think that he'll finish as a top 12 running back ever again. Here are a couple reasons why. As much as Seattle's committed to be a run-first team in recent years, they certainly have, I just feel like they're building a team that's better suited for passing. Uh, DK Metcalf had a phenomenal year for a rookie on a run-first team, even at that. Tyler Lockett was a top 13 fantasy wide receiver again this year. Will Disley, if you just took his pace, this was crazy, if you took his pace at the start of the season, though it is a very small sample size, he was on pace to be the number one tight end of the year before he was hurt. Number one on the year before he was hurt. And I think most importantly, Seattle has to realize, this is a little speculation on my part, but they just have to realize that Russell Wilson is the best player on their team and they have to let him win games for them. Add to that the fact that Rashad Penny lost weight last year and was not, when he was not injured rather, he looked very comparable to Carson, though Carson looked a little bit better. I just think the biggest reason, however, is that there's also so many rookies in this year's rookie draft that are going to start on teams next year and just rocket right past guys like Chris Carson uh, that's not as talented. There's just the rookie draft is loaded with running backs that I think are going to get starting jobs and move right past guys like Carson. Carson did what he did this last year on grit, which is admirable. And tremendous opportunity, just the opportunity on a, on a run first team. Next year, I think others are going to pass him by. This time, they'll pass him by, though, with tremendous talent and even more opportunity than Carson had, who had to split some carries with Penny. Fourth guy on my list here, another running back, is Devontae Freeman. Man, I sold Freeman two years ago, so this may be a little bit redundant. But anyone still holding out hope for Freeman, I think it's time to stop hoping. Uh, he finished the year as the number 21 ranked running back, and I believe it will be his last year in the top 24 as a top 24 running back. So last year as kind of an every week starter in our two running back leagues. Atlanta's best weapons are in the passing game, I think. I mean, Julio, Ridley, Hooper, if they re-sign him, of course, for Hooper. They just need a pass to win, and I think Atlanta is also a prime candidate to take one of the stud running backs that I just mentioned in this first round or maybe early in the second round with their first pick of the second round, uh, depending on how fast the running backs fly off the board. Some are projecting that they're going to wait a while, so they could get one of those top running backs in the second round perhaps too. Last year's fifth-round pick, Quadre Allison, who I really loved, he did not pan out, which makes me think that they might have to 
go for one of the top tier guys this year instead of trying to uh, hit on a bottom tier guy like they tried to do last year. So they already tried to address the need last year, maybe scraping the bottom of the barrel to try to get someone. I think this year they're going to say, look, if we're going to draft a running back, we've got to draft him high. So Freeman was a top five running back several years ago, but she sure has declined uh, every year, uh, whether due to play or to his injuries. He's a declining dynasty asset that should have been sold a couple years ago um, like I did. Next guy I say that's moving down uh, past his prime is James White. James White has been PPR gold as a running back number two the last few years. Um, I've got him in several leagues, and I love just particularly in my PPR leagues. So I wouldn't even do it in half PPR, but in a PPR league, I love just slotting James White in as my number two running back because he's going to catch so many passes. Um, this year he finished as a number 22 ranked running back after finishing number nine last year. Um, and that's half point PPR. If you were in PPR, he would have been higher than even number nine. But here's the thing. I think his value is just going to continue to decline from here. Uh, there's no guarantee that Tom Brady is going to be back. Um, he loves to target his running backs more often, particularly as he got older. Tom Brady just checks down, checks down, checks down. Um, and I'm not sure that he'll be back next year. It's also an increasingly loaded backfield. Um, I still believe in Damian Harris as the, best, as the best running back in New England. I'm going to say it for one more year, and then you can tell me I'm wrong, but I believe it. And so I think that uh, he's the best running back there and can be better than Sony Michelle and all the other backs there. I think that for uh, James Harris, his best days uh, were when he was paired with Tom Brady, and I feel like that's finally coming to an end. Uh, I actually have uh, James White in my FFPC Dynasty League, which is a thin 20-man roster where you actually have to roster a kicker and a defense. So when it comes time to make the cuts, I'm going to cut James, uh, James White. If Brady doesn't resign, if Brady resigns, I'll probably keep James White, uh, just knowing that I have him for one more year. But if Brady doesn't come back, James White, I think, will be off of my roster in that league uh, with 20-man rosters. Perhaps he'd be even off my leagues uh, with larger rosters. Similarly, we're going to move to receivers now. Similarly, we have Julian Edelman. Although Edelman was one of the most consistent wide receivers this year, finishing as number nine-ranked wide receiver. I was so surprised to see that. I just kind of forgot that he was so consistent and good. I just don't believe he'll ever be this good again. As I already said, Tom Brady may be on, may be on his way out. Edelman's 33 years old, and he played far worse. If you noticed, he played far worse at the end of the year and, of course, dropped that pass in the playoff game that really sealed the fate of New England. You wonder if that drop is just kind of a, uh, kind of a metaphor for what's happening with Edelman going forward. I personally have never owned Edelman, but if I did, I would, probably would have tried to sell him a couple years ago, which means I would have been wrong because given that he maintained a consistent wide receiver two value the last two years, and of course this year finishing as a wide receiver one, maybe I would have sold too early. But I think now if you have him, it's going to be too late. Uh, shop him around if you can. I think if Brady comes back, he could possibly be a wide receiver two for maybe one more year, but he's beyond his prime uh, for sure. Next player, and this is the one I'm cheating a little bit on, is Will Fuller. This one is a little bit different from the others, given that Fuller did not have a great year. Uh, so he finished as a wide receiver number 58. But here's the thing. People value him way higher than that. Uh, he's going to have seasons better than this year for sure. Like, I don't think he's going to have a 58 season. He can be better than that. But I think just bottom line, he's just too injury prone. Um, I would try to find the one owner that still values him in the top 20 or 30 dynasty value because there's owners out there that really value him like that. Uh, maybe even go after the owner that has uh, Deshaun Watson and think that they're going to kind of get like a, a pairing there. Um, 
and see what you can do to try to move him. Because if there's someone in your league that still thinks he's a top 20 or 30, I would try to sell him. Um, he just can't prove that he can stay healthy, and it's as simple as that for me. I want nothing to do with Will Fuller going forward. In a similar vein, uh, my next receiver is Alshon Jeffrey. I could say much the same for Jeffrey as I said for Will Fuller. He just can't stay healthy. He did it. He finished this season as a number 24 wide receiver if you just go by average points. So that's pretty good. You know, he was a top, you know, top 24, so an every week starter in our leagues. But he also missed eight games with injuries. He's 29 years old, and even though uh, that middle age seems past it, even though it's kind of middle age for a receiver, it does seem past his prime just given his injuries. And uh, let alone the fact that Philadelphia addressed the wide receiver position in the draft last year with J.J. Arthago-Whiteside and in free agency with Deshaun Jackson, it shows that they recognize their need for help at that position. The odds are that they're going to do so again with this very deep wide receiver class. Some analysts are already projecting them to draft a wide receiver in the first round, so they might do that. But even if they were to wait to the second round, I think there's plenty of guys that can come in and beat, beat those guys out. Jeffrey and Wentz did have a great connection when they're playing together. There's no doubt about it. It's just that they've not played together too often, the two of them together. So I'm way down on Alshon Jeffrey. He's past his prime. Next, we'll move to tight ends. i got two of them to list here before we close out. First is Jared Cook. I love Jared Cook. I have to admit it. He's on a lot of my teams, um, and he made me proud the last two years of his career. But I do think it's safe to say that he will remain, that those will remain the best two years of his career. Two years ago, of course, he relied on 101 targets to amass points. In this last year, he relied on touchdowns, scoring nine touchdowns in New Orleans. Uh, his targets in Oakland could definitely be counted on because that's the way that they go. <laughs> you saw that by Darren Waller's play, where Waller played so good after Cook left for New Orleans. But touchdowns are even far less reliable than targets. Um, and I just don't think we can rely on those nine touchdowns again uh, with the Saints. While I am concerned, while I'm less concerned rather about his age when it comes to tight ends, I don't really worry about age of tight ends like I do with running backs or wide receivers. The fact is that he is 33 years old, and there's a whole host of young tight ends um, that are poised to pass him and become top 12 tight ends in the dynasty landscape in the years to come, pushing Cook kind of out of the top 12, I think, for the rest of his career. I don't think he'll finish as a top 12 tight end again. But, man, sure loved having him these last two years. He was a little sneaky start for my team's. And finally, um, I'll say a player that I think is past his prime. This one's different because he's young, so it's not like he's old. I just think this guy had the best year of his career, and I'm talking about Tyler Higby. I'm taking a bit of a stand here. Um, I just don't believe that this, his ridiculous end-of-the-year run by Higby is, is indicative of what he will become. Higby scored 19 points per game in the last five of the season. That's crazy, but he averaged four points per game before that. So <laughs> why the crazy jump? I just don't think that I can believe it. I'm not buying it. Higby was a fourth-round pick, while his competitor, Gerald Everett, was a second-round pick. Everett was playing ahead of Higby, you know, all through the first part of the year until Everett was injured, and then Higby came in um, and just had an incredible end of the season. I definitely, because he did, I picked up Higby in several leagues late in the season because of that, and I've been trying to sell him ever since. I've actually been targeting a 2020 second-round pick for Higby. But I guess others, uh, like me, don't believe the hype either because I've not been able to sell him for a 2022nd so far. Um, I might, you know, see what I can get. Otherwise, I think I'll probably hang on to him rather than try to offer a 2023rd. 
um, or rather get a 2023rd. I'd rather hang on to him for that, but if I could get a 2022nd uh, for Higby, I would definitely try to do it. Um, I'd be very surprised if Higby were ever to be a top 12 tight end ever again, uh, even finishing, I think, number nine at the end of this year, depending, of course, on PPR. Well, that's a wrap for it this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for giving us a quick listen. Of course, make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. You can also contact me via email, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I'm much better on email than I am on Twitter, so that's the best way to contact me. And as I say at the end here, I would be very honored if you take time to rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me and really help us grow because we are an independent podcast. I do appreciate your support, and I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there. Get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.